From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Father Wade Menezes. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. A tremendous Tuesday to each and every one of you. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN's Open Line. Father Wade is literally in the house today uh, as he is on campus with us as the Franciscan missionaries of the Eternal Word are on their canonical retreat in Hansville, Alabama. And Father Wade is covering the liturgical responsibilities that the friars would normally take care of here. Uh, so that is our blessing to have him in the studio with us today. So the the answers will be extra good today. God willing, he's in yes, the studio. yes, yes. So if you've got a question for Father Wade about faith, family, fellowship, or any aspect of the Catholic faith, pick up the phone and give us a call. The number is 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. If you're outside the United States and Canada, your number is one. 1- Two zero five two seven one two nine eight five, and we'll even put you straight to the front of the line at one two zero five two seven one two nine eight five. And you can always send us an email. That email address is openline at ewtn.com. I'm Jack Williams, Michael McCall, producing the program. Your call screener is. Matt Gubensky and Ace McKay handling our social media efforts. So if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook Live, you can type a question into the chat window, and it may find its way to us by the end of the hour. And our host, as he is every Tuesday, the aforementioned Father Wade Menezes. How are you? I'm doing great, Jack, and it is great to be in-house today. And a shout-out to my good confrere, Father Ken Geraci, who is filling in all week in Hansville at the Shrine of the Most Blessed Sacrament. But he's got to watch himself more because the friars are actually there taking their retreat. I have a little more freedom here to get wild and what. Well, maybe not <laughs> wild, but... but uh, so a shout-out to Father Ken, who's doing a great job uh, filling in for the friars down there, or up there, I should say, for... 45 minutes north of Irondale. So, yes, it's good to be here in-house. Well, you getting wild and the possible ramifications (laughs) of that, clearly the motivation for today's springboard topic, the healing power of Jesus. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly right. You know, these uh, six homilies that I'm giving this week, Jack, Monday through Saturday, inclusive the 8th through the 13th of this January, 2024, this new year, I'm kind of looking at those six homilies as a mini-retreat for our viewers and those in person at the morning mass at 7 a.m. And uh, you can go back and listen to these first two days. Uh, they're, they're posted on demand at EWTN's YouTube page, of course. But I'm calling uh, this little mini-retreat, if you will, with these six homilies at the televised Mass each morning at 7 a.m. Central, the healing power of Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, two questions right off the bat. What does Jesus heal, and why does Jesus heal? So let's comb through that first one. What, what does Jesus heal? Well, he heals the sickness of sin, both personal and social. He heals hopelessness. He heals loneliness. He heals emotional wounds. And Jesus can also, of course, heal physical ailments. He can also heal that which is broken, for example, relationships, our relationship with God, 
our relationship with others and our relationship even with ourselves. You know, there's many people out there, sadly, who do not love themselves, and we need to be healed from that. See ourselves as a true son or daughter in God's own eyes. Which often reveals itself in the way we deal with others, huh? That's exactly right. It's, they are definitely linked. Uh, why does Jesus heal? I, I love these here. Uh, these reasons. Jesus heals to reveal his compassion for humanity. For example, this Thursday's gospel, we read this, and Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand toward the leper and touched him and said to him, I do will it be made clean, Mark 1, So Jesus heals to reveal his compassion. And in Matthew 14, 14, we read, and Jesus saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick among them. Jesus also heals to reveal the Father's glory. We read in Matthew 15, 30 and 31, quote, And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the maimed, the blind, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet, and he healed them, so that the throng wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified God because of it. They glorified the God of Israel. Jesus also heals to prove his mission. In John 10, verses 37 and 38, he says, I am not doing the works of of my father. If I am not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works instead, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. So again, he, prove, he, he heals to prove his mission. And also Jesus heals to destroy the works of the devil. He, we read in Acts uh, chapter 10, verse 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. And so there's a great quote from uh, St. Gregory of Nyssa about, about healing. He says this, he says, Whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away. Now by the new creation, Paul means the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in a heart that is pure, blameless, free of all malice, wickedness, and also free of shamefulness. For when a soul has come to hate sin and has delivered itself as far as it can to the power of virtue, it undergoes a transformation by receiving the grace of the Holy Spirit. Then it is healed, restored, and made holy new. Then it is healed, restored, and made holy new. Indeed, these two texts purge out the old leaven that you may be a new one. And let us celebrate the festival not with the old leaven, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Support these passages which speak about the new creation. So St. Gregory of Nyssa. And I, and I love that quote from him, Jack, because he's quoted in number 1803 of the Catechism uh, of the Catholic Church. I've quoted this before on Open Line Tuesday, which gives us, number 1803, the, the definition of virtue and virtuous living. Uh, we read in 1803 that virtue and virtuous living is pursuing uh, the good, the true, and the beautiful in concrete daily actions with all five of our bodily powers or bodily senses, sight, smell, taste, touch, and hearing, and the four primary faculties of the soul, intellect, will, memory, and imagination. So we take these nine great gifts of the body-soul composite, and we offer them to God. And at the end of 1803, Gregory of Nyssa says this. He says, quote, The goal of a virtuous life is to become like God. 
How beautiful is that? The goal of a virtuous life is to become like God. Not to become God, that would be a heresy, of course, but to become like God. That's how intimately God wants to share his life with us through his sanctifying grace. Again, the goal of a virtuous life is to become like God. So the healing power of Jesus is in part what makes this possible, becoming like God. It's the sanctifying grace that does it literally, but prior to that, the healing power of Jesus Christ. Again, why does he heal, Jack? Uh, He heals to reveal his compassion for humanity, to reveal his Father's glory. He also heals to prove his mission, and he heals to destroy the works of the devil. Uh, Again, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. And what does Jesus heal? He heals the sickness of sin, both personal and social. You know, it's interesting, the Catechism talks about veritable structures of sin in society, maybe an immoral law that the courts pass, for example, uh, like abortion, let's say. And, And the veritable structures of sin ultimately can be traced back to personal sin. It's because of personal sin that we have veritable structures of sin in society. So, He heals the sickness of sin, both personal and social. He heals hopelessness. He heals loneliness. He heals emotional wounds, and he can even heal physical ailments. And he can also heal that which is broken, for example, our relationships, our relationship with God himself, our relationship with others, and our relationship even with ourselves. So here's what I want our Open Line Tuesday callers to call and give witness to today. Have you experienced a healing? Was it physical? Was it emotional? What do you want to tell us about that healing? Was it a healed relationship, maybe with a parent or a sibling? After years and years of fallout, God granted the grace to have that relationship healed. Let's give a witness call today on on the healing power of Jesus. During this week that I'm giving our mini retreat with these six homilies, Monday through Saturday of this week. January 8th through the 13th inclusive. Tune in to the first two that are already posted and be sure to tune in to uh, the remaining uh, four uh, this Wednesday through Saturday now that are left. Uh, The Healing Power of Jesus, my little mini retreat through my six homilies at the televised mass at 7 a.m. Central all this week. The first two are posted. But in the meantime, give a call, give a witness. What have you experienced in the healing power of Jesus? 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. It's EWTN's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you have a question, call 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985. Or send us an email to openline at EWTN.com. We need your help. We need your help to spread the good news about the great work we're doing here at EWTN. And we've got a, a mechanism by which you can do that and help us. It's EWTN's Media Missionaries. 
We will provide you with all of the training and materials you need to take the message of EWTN to your parish or uh, other, your Knights of Columbus Hall or somewhere, anywhere where you can uh, take uh, literature that we'll provide to you. Um, talking about the great programming here at EWTN. If you're interested and you'd like to find out more, simply log on to EWTNmissionaries.com. That's EWTNmissionaries.com. Become an EWTN media missionary. One open line at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. First up today is Joel in Waterloo, Iowa, listening at EWTN.com. Joel, you are on with Father Wade Menezes. Hi, Father. Hello. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at a couple catechisms, and one is the second edition, one is the revised edition. Um, what's the difference between the two? Oh, great question. Uh, Eighty-three numbered paragraphs are differently worded under John Paul II. I forget what year the that those 83 were changed but John Paul II was still living the catechism was universally promulgated in 92 i believe we got the english edition in print form uh in 93 and uh you can buy the booklet you can also order it online at any catholic publisher they will provide you with just the pamphlet book it's a 6 by 9 pamphlet that has the 83 different paragraphs that have been altered. Now, the second edition has those 83 paragraph rewords already incorporated into it. So if you have the green edition, I'm talking about the, the U.S. edition, the dark green one, either hardbound or softbound, but it's dark green. It says second edition. Uh, Jack's looking at it right now. For those of you... Yeah, yeah, 97. Okay, 94 for the original, 97 for the second. So 94 for the original, not 93, in, in print form was 94. And then uh, in 97, we got the second edition. And so, but, but if you have only the first edition, which is more of a tan color, uh, if the person has only the first edition, which is a tan color, and they don't want to put the money out to get the green second edition, you can buy the six by nine pamphlet with the, the, the 83 altered paragraphs in their wording. Why were they altered? To make them more clear uh, of what the church was trying to say in the first edition. That's the only reason why. So gr- great question, Joel. Thank you so much. 833-288-EWTN. That's our toll-free number, 833 288 3986. Trisha is in the great state of Georgia listening on St. Paul Radio. Trisha, you're on with Father Wade. Hi, Father Wade. I wanted to tell you I've been to two Eucharistic um, celebrations in Greenville. Oh, beautiful. Yes, they were amazing. I am a new Catholic. Um, for It'll be four years on July um, 18th. Anyway, I want to give my testimony really quick. Uh, I was Reformed Presbyterian, and I always listened to Christian radio when I was driving. One day I could get no other radio at all but EWTN. I was like, I didn't even know what it was, but Jerry and Debbie take two on, and it was a call-in show. I thought it was interesting. Great. It probably took maybe a minute. I heard God say to me, this is the truth, Mary's your mother. Do you remember the Bible study you did seven years ago where you took as your life verse John 2, 5, do whatever he tells you, this is what I'm telling you. I had no other choice than to go to RCA, but my husband of 45 years told me he was going to divorce me, and he did, and, um, but 
you know, I've never regretted, and I won't go into detail, but God showed me in about five months that he had actually saved me from that marriage. And it is absolutely the best thing. So I think the way I have been healed is by becoming Catholic. Um, I also have been given, I don't know if I like it or not, the gift of tears. Debbie Giorgiani told me it was a gift. And I went to Mass on Epiphany, and I absolutely sobbed through the whole thing. I mean, mm. I wore out my handkerchief. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. It was just so amazingly beautiful. So I just had to give that testimony. Well, thank you, Tricia. Th- thank you so much. Yeah. What, what year did you enter the Catholic Church? Uh, well, I don't. I'm not good at math, but it'll be four years on okay. in um, on June. I mean, July 18th. Okay, so. well, wonderful. So you didn't. It sounds if it was July 18th, it sounds like you didn't enter at the Easter vigil. You entered. Was it through private instruction it, or? No, it was during COVID. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so so what it what wouldn't have been through probably wouldn't have been through the Easter vigil then, and so that's why you have your July anniversary of entering the faith. Well, thank you so much for a, a great uh, witness call and uh, sharing that with us. We really appreciate your listenership. Thank you so much. Eight three three two eight eight E W T N is our toll free number. A couple of open lines and plenty of time for your calls at eight three three two eight eight three nine eight six. Anna's watching on YouTube, Father Wade, and she wants to know what is meant by seeking God's face. Uh, that's a great question. And poetically speaking, we're talking about several things. We're we're talking about his will, wanting to conform our wills to his will, wanting to conform our life to his life. Uh, when you seek someone's face, there's a certain intimacy implied there, right? Also, wanting to have an intimate relation with, relationship with him in regards to the spiritual life is another way that we poetically say we want to seek God's face. You know, that reminds me, Anna, of, of something regarding the word ad, uh, adoration, adoratio. Uh, if you break it down, ad, ad, toward, or, or, literally of the mouth or towards the mouth. It, it, so, so when we say we're going to adoration, uh, Eucharistic adoration, for example, it's, it's face-to-face, mouth-to-mouth, because mouth-to-mouth is face-to-face. So, uh, you know, you, you, the word orthodontist or, uh, you know, it, it starts with that same O-R, meaning the doctor of, of, the, of the mouth, of the teeth, etc. So adoration toward the mouth, meaning colloquially, mouth-to-mouth or face-to-face, and this this has a bearing on what you're asking about the phrase, seeking out the face to God. That's that intimacy we're talking about, face being wanting to be face-to-face, our wills aligned with His, uh, everything intimate in our relationship with God and He and He with us. So that's a, what, what a beautiful question, what a great question. Thank you so much. Lance is in Twin Falls, Idaho, a first-time caller listening on Salt and Light Radio. Lance, thanks for holding. Welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. Thanks. I had a couple of questions for you. Um, I'll try to keep them brief, I understand. Um, they, they mentioned your baptism. Is that by uh, full immersion, so that you're completely under the water, just like uh, John baptized Christ in the River Jordan? Yeah, um, it- it, it's a bo- it's a both and in, in the Catholic Church, uh, Lance. You can have full immersion baptism for the our infants. We do a pouring. Okay, uh, there can also be permitted a sprinkling. What, what's important is that the water is applied three times 
in the name of the three divine persons. So it's not an either or, it's it's a both and. So we believe in, a, in that the 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 baptism itself is valid if it's by immersion, if it's by pouring, if it's by sprinkling. Those are the three ways that are permitted in the Catholic Church. What's more important is that it be done in the solemn Trinitarian formula. Uh, you say the person's name first. I'll put an N, a, a large N there with the period. So the name, for example, John, uh, so-and-so, you say their first name. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's what's important. What's your, what's your next question, Lance? Great question, by the way. Oh, thanks. Because in, in the Bible, now there's 132 versions of the Bible, from what I understand. And so it's, I see where there would be a lot of confusion. Are, are you are you a Latter Day Saints uh, adherent? Yeah. Okay. I am. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. That explains. Sure, in Japan. Okay. In Japan. Yeah. And uh, you know, there it usually costs about ten thousand dollars to send a missionary out, and that comes out of uh, we would usually work and save up our own money and then go out. But Japanese was something else. There was uh, it was pretty tough. But anyway, sorry. Back to these questions. Yeah, you I had a question. Dark... You had a question about whether or not we become God. Uh, I, I made that clear in our springboard topic, uh, quoting Saint Gregory of Nyssa, number eighteen oh three of the Universal Catechism, which I sh- I surely hope you can look at it look at it at least online. It talks about virtue and virtuous living, uh, pursuing the good, the true, and the beautiful in concrete daily actions, with all five of the bodily powers: sight, smell, taste, touch, and hearing, and and the four primary faculties of the soul: the intellect, the will, the memory, and imagination. And then at the end of that, you know, for example, let, let me. Put put a, a, an example on that for the concrete daily action. Should I go to this movie or should I no, not go to this movie? Um, should I miss Mass this Sunday out of laziness or should I indeed go to Mass to fulfill my Sunday obligation, which is an obligation not out of fear but out of love? Um, should I uh, continue this friendship that's leading me into a type of immorality of some sort or should I graciously set up boundaries and get myself out of this immoral friendship? So. It's pursuance of the good, the true, and the beautiful in concrete daily actions with all nine of these great gifts that are made up through the body-soul composite that we are. Again, the five bodily senses or powers and the four primary faculties of the soul or the, or the four spiritual powers, we could also say. Uh, and then at the end of that 1803, because you may not be familiar with the Catechism of the Catholic Church, but each paragraph is numbered. So this is number 1803 I'm talking about. And at the end of 1803, a wonderful church father, second century, is quoted, St. Gregory of Nyssa. He's one of the preeminent church fathers. He, he wrote, the goal of a virtuous life is to become like God, not to become God. That would be a heresy in the Catholic Church, but to become like God. In other words, going back to the face-to-face question that we were just asked by Anna on our uh, YouTube sidebar, uh, that's part of that intimacy. That's part of that strong spiritual life that we want to live, right? That face-to-face with God, our wills united with His will, the divine will. And so this implies that with that pursuance of virtue and virtuous living with the good, the true, and the beautiful. So it's not that we believe we become God, it's that we believe we can become like God and that we always protrude, uh, we always um, want to pursue the good, the true, and the beautiful, because God wants that for us and from us to pursue the good 
the true and the beautiful. He cannot, he cannot contradict himself with evil, for example. And so that, that's, that's where we're coming from with that. Does that help you out? It does. So if you believe that you can become like God, then you can also uh, be a God in the next life. Or No, no, that, that argument doesn't follow one from the other at all. Thank you so much, Lance, for your call. We really appreciate your listenership. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. We're talking faith, family, and fellowship on EWTN's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade Menezes. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Congratulations going out to another member of the EWTN radio family, Christ Our King Radio in Lafayette, Louisiana, celebrating 12 years with EWTN. Lafayette, the most livable city in America. Great food, I'm telling you. doubt about that. (laughs) Great food. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I was in Lafayette uh, sampling some gumbo and some etouffee with your confrere, Father Ken Geraci, you know what? last yeah, summer. His name's coming up a little yeah. too often this week. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so uh, uh, at any rate, the good folks there in Louisiana celebrating 12 years with us. They now have three AM and FM stations serving Lafayette, Kaplan, and Opelousas. Uh, congratulations to Anne Marie Moulton and her great team at Christ Our King Radio from your friends here at EWTN. 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. So if I could turn back time and I could make myself 39 years old and get my wife to sign a waiver and wanted to be an itinerant missionary preacher, where would I go? You would go to fathersofmercy.com, Jack, no doubt. Just like Father Ken Geraci did, okay? <laughs> All right? What does it mean to be a father of mercy? Well, I'll tell you. It means a man who wants to be faithful to the church founded by our Lord Jesus Christ, a man who wants to stay faithful to the sacred deposit of faith, which is that heritage of faith contained in sacred scripture and tradition and handed on in the church from the time of the apostles, from which the magisterium, the teaching office of the church, draws all that it proposes for belief as being divinely revealed. As a father of mercy, all of this is, is portrayed and carried out through deep conviction, and it's publicly expressed in a dynamic missionary preaching apostolate at parish missions, retreats, conferences, and devotions. We do it all. We do it. We even fill in for Franciscan friars, okay? <laughs> so we do it all here at the Fathers of Mercy, Jack. All right, next stop for us in my old stomping grounds. I grew up in Collinsville, Illinois, and right next door is Edwardsville, Illinois, just north. And Jeannie is in Edwardsville listening on Covenant Radio. Jeannie, thank you so much for holding your on with Father Wade. Well, thank you so much. I didn't know you grew up in Collinsville. Yeah, you won't hold it against me, right? <laughs> yeah, we raised, we raised our son in Collinsville oh. at St. Peter and Paul. Oh, well, there you go. Former, were you were you Catholic yet? I, I was not Catholic when I lived. I was the only person, and Collinsville is sort of a big Italian community, and mm. I was one of the only people in Collinsville that wasn't Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> but you got great food there as well. That's I exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> Go ahead, Jeannie. Uh, thank you. Uh, Father, it's so great to hear you. We love all the Fathers of Mercy and appreciate you so very much. Well, thank you, Jeannie. Uh, we you appreciate had- that. 
Thank you. We, um, I had heard that you uh, asked if someone uh, experienced God's love or a miracle uh, would call in today, if that's right. Um, yeah, a healing, in any type of healing, whether physical or emotional uh, healing, just to give a witness as my six homilies this week at the Daily Televised, Ma- televised Mass, as I'm here this week filling in for the Friars, I'm kind of making it a little mini retreat titled uh, The Healing Power of Jesus, the six homilies put together. Two have already been posted from yesterday, the Baptism of the Lord Feast, and today is Tuesday, the first uh, week of Ordinary Time. So the two homilies of yesterday and today have already been posted, and, and be sure to tune in, if you can, to the remaining four. But yeah, the, the healing power of Jesus. So what I asked for at the beginning of the hour here on Open Line Tuesday, just a, a few moments ago, half hour or so ago, was to call in and give a witness about a healing, either emotional or possibly physical, uh, maybe the healing of a relationship. Uh, so what do you have for us? Well, I think I have two then. Okay. Um, and um, I was able to go to our Sorrowful Mother's Ministry, which is in Vandalia, Illinois, and um, through the Blessed Mother's intercession, I do believe, and the, the holy priests that um, attend there for healing, I believe I uh, received a lot of emotional healing, probably uh, like whole life. Wow, <laughs> I went beautiful. for about 20 years. Um, and um, the main one, I think, was the um, relationship with my father. Oh, uh, I was a pretty emotional child. Um, and so it kind of, uh, I had a a father wound there and I do believe, um, well, I know I had much healing from that when he passed, uh, we were buddies and, um, spent a lot of time together, uh, before he passed and while he was passing. Um, and the other one I want to attribute to, um, the, the blessed mother again, uh, the miraculous medal. Um, my mother was a, a devout Catholic, a Franciscan third order, and uh, she, we, Ken and I were having, um, experiencing infertility. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were married for seven years and couldn't conceive, and she's uh, sent away for a novena to the Miraculous Medal Association, the Shrine of the Miraculous Medal in Perryville, Missouri, and three months later we conceived. Oh, Beautiful. Beautiful. And what we t- had a healthy son, Matthew, and nothing, nothing happened since. And we're 59 years old, and Matthew's 29 now. So uh, we're very grateful for that miracle. Well, beautiful, Jeannie. And, and it's also very beautiful that you and your father were able to reconcile before his dying, his passing. And so we praise God for that as well. Thank you so much for two great uh, stories of healing, both each one in, in a different way, uh, healing physically to be able to conceive and also the healing emotionally in your relationship with your father. Thank you so much, Jeannie. And thank you also for your listenership to Open Line. We appreciate it very much. It's interesting that they waited seven years. That's not an insignificant number. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is Kel, and he is a first-time caller in Baltimore, Maryland, watching us on YouTube today. Kellen, you are on with Father Wade. Hi, Father Wade. This is Kellen. Um, I want to share my experience because I actually got healed at birth. Um, I was six, born six months premature, and my parents, God bless them, were 20 and 19 years old, and the Montana from my dad's college in Villanova came into the hospital and baptized me, and I lived. 
and I was three pounds, five ounces. Um, I had um, slight cerebral palsy in my leg, but mm. it's a gift. I am a special ed teacher, and I um, teach other children with disabilities. And also, um, during COVID, I had lost my job after 19 years, and I was kind of down in the dumps, and I had all my sacraments except for my confirmation. And thanks to my priest, Father Ryan Nolan, I got confirmed at age 55 years old. Wow, beautiful, beautiful, Helen. Thank you so much. That's a great story. Are your folks still living? Are your parents still living? Yes, and this they were 20 and 19 years old, and they were college students, and I was their first baby, and I love them so much for appreciating my life and mm. um, having the Monsignor bless me. And actually, my mom wasn't even Catholic, but my parents, they got married in the garden at Villanova, and my mother made a promise to the priest that she would bring us up Catholic. And we, me and my two brothers are all Catholic, thanks to my mom, because she said, I made a promise, and I'm going to keep it. Well, beautiful, Helen. Thank you so much for a great witness. It's, it's also an honor to your folks, how you're describing all of that, and also to your parish priest. It's an honor to him as well. And I'm so glad you got confirmed. You know, I preached the parish mission just a few weeks back, and uh, one of the things I stressed to the, the, the mission attendees was when I was talking about the three sacraments of initiation, baptism, confirmation, Holy Eucharist. You know, we live in, in, in a time, uh, day and age today, at the dawn of this third millennium, you know, 24 years in now, where we have the highest percentage of, of American Catholics that are not confirmed. And a lot of the, the sociologists who, who are Catholic, who study this phenomenon, they, they basically say it's because of the sexual revolution. Back then, the teenagers didn't want to be confirmed. And then when they started having kids in the next generation, they remembered what their parents did for them. That was baptism at infancy and first reconciliation and first communion at age seven. So they did that for their kids but they never got their kids confirmed. So then those children start having children. That's the third generation now where the same thing happens. They give their kids the their 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 baptism at infancy and then also their uh, first reconciliation, first holy communion, but no confirmation. So now we're in the fifth generation of this going on. If a generation is calculated at around 23 years, which is what the sociologists calculate a generation as, uh, 22 to 23 years, we're now entering into our fifth generation of, of those infants and and we'll pray that they get confirmed. But when I preach to adults that are anywhere from late teens all the way up to their 80s or 90s, if they're attending the parish missions, I say, look, if you've never been confirmed, if you've never received the sacrament of confirmation, please see your parish priest and take instruction to get confirmed so you can have all three sacraments of initiation. How beautiful is that? And you did that, Helen, because of your priest who encouraged you to do that, Father Nolan. And that's just a great thing. So thank you for your witness. We really appreciate it. Still time for your calls at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. We head out west to the great state of Washington. Julia is listening on the EWTN app. Julia, you are on with Father Wade. Hello, Father Wade. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Julia. Thank you. Where are you at in Washington? 
I'm in Omak, Washington. We got about three inches of snow last night, and the ski hill is still not open. So wow. please pray for snow. Okay, okay, I certainly will. That that those that that ski gate opens right, and I have right? uh, I have cousins in uh, in Issaquah, so a shout out to Janine and Scott uh, who live there, and to their kids. And also, I will be giving a retreat at Immaculate Heart Retreat Center uh, in Spokane. That's the art. That's the diocese, the diocese of Spokane's retreat center, Immaculate Heart Retreat Center there, right in Spokane. And that's coming up the weekend of the nineteenth through the twenty first of January on the Most Holy Eucharist. Gift oh my and, goodness, brother. The Most Holy Eucharist gift and sacrament. So anybody listening right now who's out in that area like Julia is, if you want to attend a weekend retreat during this three-year Eucharistic revival called for by the United States Conference of Bishops, uh, that would be a great opportunity if you're in the, the Northwest there in that area. Thank you for that. I will be there for sure with my children great, hey, um, great. And, and my husband. Hey, uh, so my my question, first of all, thank you so much for the Father Mercy Hours. You make me uncomfortable, you convict me, and you make me go deeper into my faith, all of you. Now, you're more gentle, Father Wade, but to some priests I'm like, oh, I'm chattering my teeth. Oh, no, it do must, I do that? must be so, that Father Ken Geraci. The, father, the Fathers of No Mercy. <laughs> yeah, we, we have a few Fathers of No Mercy on the Fathers of No Mercy. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. They're all great guys. But Okay, and, and, but, and what's your well, Thank you for those kind comments. We have many EWTN affiliates who uh, run the Father of Mercy Hour, and EWTN Radio itself does. And, uh, and so we're very thankful for for that. that that's a, a collection of our of our retreats and parish missions given over the years. So you might have a six-part mission, a four-part mission, a, a five-part retreat, and that's what you're hearing that they're playing uh, cyclically, and so they're, they're going over the air. So I'm glad they've helped you out. Yeah, it brings us closer to Jesus. Beautiful. So, uh, my qu- <laughs> Thank you. My question is um, about Christmas. When I count uh, on the 25th, through January 6th, there's 13 days. And so I always greet people like in Walmart and stuff to remind them, you know, um, Merry Ninth Day of Christmas and Happy New Year, you know. And then I'm like, oh, wait, is it the 8th or 9th or 10th? I'm Now I'm confusing myself because I thought that I count 13. Do we not count the 25th? Is that zero? Or how do we count the days of Christmas? Well, you're, it depends on the tradition, and, and a lot of this has to do with different national customs. So my understanding is the 12 days of Christmas is the celebration leading from Christmas itself, which could begin the day after the count, leading up to the Epiphany on, on the 7th. Uh, and so we'd have the 26th, the 27th, the 28th, the 29th, the 30th, the 31st, and then 1, 2, 3, 4, 5th, and 6th with the 7th being on the Epiphany, when it used to be on a set calendar day of the 7th, you begin celebrating at the praying of Vespers the night before, which is known as Evening Prayer 1, which indeed would be on the 6th, right? So the the day before the Epiphany, when it used to be set on the 7th, and it still can be celebrated on the 7th. Uh, In fact, it was this year celebrated on Sunday the 7th. So Christmas is its own solemnity, so you wouldn't begin the count there. You would begin the count on the 26th, and all the way through the praying of Vespers on the night of the 6th, and that's the 12 days of Christmas, and and hence the the Christmas carol, the the 12 days of Christmas. Uh, I've never heard of the 13 days of Christmas, but I'm not surprised that you say that, because we also have some national customs that celebrate on the day of the feast. So if you count Epiphany on the 7th, celebrating 
the 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 days leading up from Christmas to the Epiphany on the seventh, and you indeed have your thirteen days. But uh, what you're talking about, I believe, comes from the custom of the twelve days of Christmas, and then celebrating the Epiphany itself would be the thirteenth day. Does that make sense? It does. Thank you so much. Now I can be confident when I'm saying Merry sixth day of Christmas, and I would say. And they look at me strange. They say, oh, yeah, we're Catholic. We can't celebrate Jesus' birth in one day. It takes us 12 days. We're still partying. That's right. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So the, you're you're kind of uh, jogging my memory here on something else. It's like celebrating a novena or praying a novena, which let's say they go with the tr- traditional format of nine days, because you can pray one novena in one day. Novena simply means nine. It implies the nine. So you can do the St. Therese Little Flower Novena, where you pray the the glory be to the Father prayer nine times in one day. You're doing a novena, but in one day. But the traditional format is over a period of nine days. Let's say somebody wants to do the Pentecost Novena in honor of the Holy Spirit. You can have people that do the nine-day count back beginning from the, the day before Pentecost Sunday, which is based on the lunar calendar, because it's 50 days after uh, Easter and, and Easter itself is based on the lunar calendar. So, but if the, if they want to end on Pentecost Sunday, that itself, Pentecost Sunday being the ninth day, then they'll count back accordingly. But if they want their novena to begin at Vespers one on at the vigil, Saturday night vigil of Pentecost Sunday, then they would make the Saturday the ninth day and count back accordingly. Either one is fine. There's no set rule in that in our Catholic devotional teaching on that. You can have the novena end on the feast itself or end on the vigil of the feast itself. God bless you, Julie. We appreciate the phone call. Be sure to check out Take Two with Jerry and Debbie, noon Eastern time, Monday through Friday. Tomorrow's topic, Making a Great Confession. That's Take Two with Jerry and Debbie tomorrow noon Eastern right here on EWTN Radio. Dave is a first-time caller in Des Moines, Iowa, listening on Iowa Catholic Radio. Dave, you're on with Father Wade. Well, hello, gentlemen. And uh, i got to tell you about a miracle that happened with uh, my wife. Uh, she's having uh, neck problems where her head would uncontrollably jerk. Mm. And we've been to a neurologist for several years, and she works in retail, so that's very embarrassing for her. She can't sleep, mm. but they, they couldn't do anything. So we went to the Holy Land with Father Ray and Father John from St. Francis Assisi Church here in Des Moines. Oh, great. And when you when you go out there, you, you have a Mass every morning, and then you also uh, visit a lot of holy places that you touch things that are supposed to help you. And... Uh, I'm telling you, on the plane ride back, it disappeared completely. Her pain. Wow! And yeah. it never, it never returned, huh? It had. This was February of last year, and, wow. and uh, she can doesn't have the pain anymore, the embarrassment, and uh, she. We sit up in the front of church now instead of the back of church because she was kind of uh, didn't want people to look at her funny. So it's a miracle, and we, there's no other explanation in our minds. Well, that's that's beautiful. That's a great witness, uh, Dave. Thank you so much. And I'll tell you what, you had a great tour guide uh, in, with the Holy Land with uh, D- Dr. Steve Ray, is what you said? No? No, Father, Father Ray. 
Oh, no, Father. Two, two pastors from Oh, St. I'm sorry. I thought, I thought you meant Steve Ray. Okay. Uh, well, great. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, that's one place I haven't traveled to yet is the Holy Land. I hope to one day. We pray for the Holy Land, though, and, and that the, the regional war there will come to an end, a complete end. Uh, but thank you so much. And remember, that war began, unfortunately, on the feast day of Our Lady of the Rosary this past October 7th. And uh, we, we should be praying to Our Lady of the Rosary to, as, as she told herself, uh, the three children at Fatima in 1917, uh, to pray for an end of all wars. And so we remember Our Lady the Rosary, especially Our Lady of Fatima, in praying for an end to this current war. Thank you so much, Dave, for a great witness about your wife and her healing. Thank you. We head next to Houston, Texas. Tana is in Houston, listening on Guadalupe Radio. Tana, you're on with Father Wade. Hi. Hi. Thank you. Hi, Father Wade. Hi, Tana. Um, we had the great pleasure of meeting you a couple of times back in uh, 2001 at um, Blessed Sacrament Parish in Houston, I mean in Dallas with Father Paul Weinberger. Um, okay. Y'all regularly came. That to was a, that was a young fa- that was a young Father Wade you met back in 2001. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a young me and a young you. He, he, could still, <laughs> he could still wear his cincture then. Yeah, I could still wear my cincture then. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, Jack. Thank I'm you. with you. I, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, so so um, I just wanted to share that that both my brother and I were really truly miracle births. Um, my mom and dad married late, and my mom was told by her doctor she would never have children, mm. and and she uh, said a 54 day novena and got pregnant with my brother, <laughs> mm, wow. and, and she delivered him at 39, and then her doctor said, well, that was it. That was it. There would be no more children. She'd always had um, problems with her stuff. And and so she said, another 54 day to me, and she had me. And then wow. right after I was born, she had a full hysterectomy. Wow. So, wow. because of cancer. So, sure, sure. Uh, what what a beautiful. <laughs> sometimes the doctors believe they know, and they're, they're doing that in their sincerity of heart, giving the, the, the prognosis of what can and can't take place. And look, God has other plans. Uh, you know, it's funny that I, I mentioned Our Lady the Rosary to end the previous caller uh, just before you came on, Tana, and here you are talking about the 50-day, uh, uh, no, the 54-day no, 54 novena to Our Lady the Rosary by praying the rosary. I have heard more miraculous stories about the 54-day rosary novena prayed than you can imagine. And that's what— Six times nine, six. So you're doing nine, a nine day novena six times in succession for the 54 days. And I have heard more miraculous stories about the 54 day rosary novena. And you're just adding to it. You're just adding to it. So what a what a beautiful story that is about your your mom being able to conceive your your brother and also you as a second child. So thank you so much, Tan, and thank you for your listenership. We really appreciate it. Larry is up next in Rapid City, South Dakota, listening on Real Presence Radio. Larry, you're on with Father Wade. Yeah, gosh, thank you guys for all that you do. I'm a, I'm a deacon out here in Rapid City, South Dakota at Blessed Sacrament Parish, and I've uh, been a deacon for almost 15 years now, and I attended a Mary Healy healing retreat. And... Um, we had a couple days of instruction, and um, and then it ended with a healing service. And uh, she went through all these bondages of uh, lack of forgiveness, and then mm. and then the congregation would all pray, and then and then she uh, got into unworthiness, and there was like ten of these bondages that she would ask people to re- to uh, be released from, and then. Um, 
yeah, then she she asked for people of that had problems with the eyes to stand up. There were several hundred people there, and they would stand up, and then she would lead a prayer that the whole congregation would enter into. And then um, if people um, experienced a healing, um, she just asked them to stay standing, and and um, and it was just amazing. And then it got to uh, to back pain, and I, I was diagnosed with a juvenile rheumatoid arthritic disease when I was 16, and I've had back pain for 40 years. And, um, yeah, so the back pain came up, and people stood up, and uh, I forget what you call it, but there were people there that, said that they were aware of people with this malady and that malady. And I, my wife and I, I just remember she said, I feel like there's someone here that has had back pain for a long time. And she said decades. And, um, but I stood up and the congregation prayed over probably myself and probably 20 some other people that had back pain. And I just experienced a window of five days, no pills, no medicine, no back pain, and I, I truly believe that my healing that day was from um, the result of abuse that I received as a child, and then, but just an overwhelming feeling of being unworthy right. and unclean. But the sign of that was um, no back pain, which I'd never experienced um, even for a full day, for five days. You know, so it was just a sure. Well, yeah, so gosh, to, the gift the gift that I have is with all the ministry that I do, if it's funeral ministry or right. Bible studies or whatever, to take that, that just the compassion and the, uh, that experience of Christ, uh, love and healing to, to all of my ministry. It was just a... As the old... It was just a... As the old saying goes, Deacon, you're able to now give to another what you yourself have received, huh? For those who are not aware of, of Dr. Mary Healy and, and her, uh, her apostolate of, of hosting these healing retreats, you know, we give God all the praise, as does Dr. Healy herself, of course. But Dr. Mary Healy is a professor of Scripture at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in Detroit. I've heard great things about her. Uh, she's a general editor of the Catholic Commentary on Sacred Scripture and the author of two of its volumes, The Gospel of Mark and Hebrews. Her other books include, and this bears on your topic here, uh, Deacon, what you're giving us, uh, The Spiritual Gifts Handbook and Healing and Bringing the Gift of God's Mercy to the World. And she's also been appointed by Pope Francis as one of the first of three women to serve on the Pontifical Biblical Commission. So great apostolate work she's doing there. Father, would you leave us with a blessing? I certainly will, Jack. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of our Open Line Tuesday listeners this day and always, and remain with you this day and always, St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us on behalf of our host, Father Wade Menezes, our producer, Michael McCall, call screener, Matt Kubensky, and our social media maven, Mr. Ace McKay. I'm Jack Williams. Thanks so much for tuning in. Back at it tomorrow with Father Mitch. Until then, God bless.